This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Episode 89 and a uh, freshly rejuvenated Craig Revey back from Florida. If you haven't seen the uh, Craig Revey late night Backstreet Boys solo video, go check it out at our Twitter after Low Whistle. And um, Elliot Friedman coming on here in a little bit. We got a fun week. Glenn Healy's going to join us on Thursday. Uh, Riv, you probably already forgot about that, but uh, he's coming up. How are you, man? How's uh, how was your trip to Florida? How's Mac Weger doing? I feel like I need a vacation. <laughs> vacation. That's what I need. I'm. Uh, I feel. Uh, I feel worn out. But you know what? What? Uh, what a great time. Uh, the boys and I uh, had uh, had an absolute blast. We watched some incredible hockey. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leaf game against Florida, and then uh, the following night was Tampa Bay, um, which is like a heated rival with those two. Uh, it was superstar after superstar. So it was uh, it was quite entertaining. Who's the better team? You think right now, Florida or Tampa? Well, first of all, what was the score of that game? I know I saw it, but did, did Florida not pound them like 8-4? Um, Tampa Bay won 8-4. Tampa won 8-4. Yes, but Florida pounded Tampa last time they played each other. So it was, uh, you know, it, we're talking super, super uh, star-studded uh, teams, you know, at the back end, at the you know, offensively, it's 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 ridiculous watching these guys play. How good they are! It's it's unbelievable. From Barkov to Huberto to you know Kucherov, Stamkos is flying like a Scud missile. Like he is, he is incredible. I can't, I he's got to have he's got to have what ninety six, ninety eight points right now. Stamkos, he's yeah. up, he's up there. A total I, undercover. He's up there. I got to look him up. He's up there, though. But uh, I don't think he's near. He's not near the 100 points. But, I mean, yeah, where is he? I think uh, you're going to be mistaken on that. Oh, my God. He's at 97. Yeah. I, I'm trying to, I was tr- That's trying to think I about how many guys more can get 100. And, and you have Stamkos is one of them. Mitch Marner's another. And maybe JT Miller. Maybe Artemi Panarin. But after that, next is Patrick Kane. And I don't think he's getting eight points in the next couple games. But. Yeah, so Stamkos. Well, he just passed uh, Marty St. Louis as the all-time point leader in uh, Tampa Bay Lightning franchise history. Did you see that? There again, he did that against the yes. Leafs. Yep, so one-time bomb upstairs. Um, he, yeah, he. It's not even that. Like, it's kind of like if there was one knock. If there was one knock you could have on Steve Stamkos, it's that he wasn't. Um, Maybe I'm losing my marbles, but I, I I think thinking back about Steve Stamkos, like his shot and his hockey IQ, even playmaking ability was was elite, but his skating was always um, not elite. Would you agree with that? I don't know. I've always liked the way he skated. I, I don't know. It's it's unorthodox. Is I he a little? Can, is he a little more bull-legged? He kind of seems yeah. like he's, he's something, like a... There's something about his skating that is not maybe pleasing to the eye. Well, I'm going to tell you, he, he was flying against Florida. 
Like, I mean, he was in it and he looked incredible. He, he looks faster now at the, I don't even know how old he is. He's got to be 30. He's got to be 33. Is he not? Gonna look or, am I, or am I aging him way too much? Uh, he is 32. Yeah. 30, uh, February 32, 7th. 32 years old. And he looks like he's skating better than what he's ever skated in his entire career. So, you know, 37 goals. He's got 97 points. He's plus 20 in 78 games. The guy is just flying right now. He looks amazing. You know what's amazing about him? And I think a lot of people forget this. They don't forget that he was a number one pick overall. But they forget about, like, I don't want to say a rough or rocky start to his career, but do you remember some of the drama that was going on with him back when he first started? Do you remember who his coach was when he first came in the league? I don't, but I, re- I actually remember him um, the first start of the year um, when he played in his rookie year, he struggled immensely. Um, he really, really struggled to find his game, to, to feel comfortable in the league. And then in the second half of the year, the last 40 games of the season, there was the, the, the old uh, light switch went on. And apparently, you remember that? He went on an absolute tear. But something happened that year. Do you remember who the coach was? I'll give you a hint. He coached the LA Kings to a Stanley Cup final in 1993. Melrose? Yeah. If you recall, Barry Melrose went back behind the bench in Tampa Bay for, he was 5-7-4, and then they shit-canned him and Rick Tockett took over. And... Stamkos, he healthy scratched him. Do you remember that? I remember that. I remember they health. It was big news around the league. He, he, he was scratched, I think, a couple games. I don't think a couple in a row, but I know that he was definitely a healthy scratch. And it was like catching wildfire around the league. And then he, and then he actually had not a bad first year. He had 23 goals, 23 assists, 46 points as a rookie. But there's a guy that kind of, I don't want to say, doesn't get enough credit or flies under the radar, but I think with the number of stars in the league, I don't think he gets enough credit for the career that he's had. My own opinion. I would, uh, I'll agree with that. Listen, I mean, look at it. Go look at his point totals. He's played, he's played 919 games, 919 games. He's got 963 points. He's over a point, point a game. He's, he's got 476. He, he scored a goal every, every other game in the national hockey league. Yeah. He's, he's an absolute stud. Yeah. He's right at a, he's right at about that pace. He's yeah. right at about that goal. Every other game pace. Do you remember he broke his leg? Like he's also had some injury issues too. Right? Like it's yeah. not, this guy's not had a breezy career by any means. You know, and, and he, I just, yeah. I was watching that game and I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Uh, I was watching that whole Leaf Tampa game. Did you see any of that game? I mean, I guess you were in Florida, right? But what a game that was. That's the series we need in the first round. That's the series we need in the first round of the playoffs. Tampa Bay is going to spank Toronto. I hate to say it, Toronto fans. You've heard it right here, but Tampa Bay is going to spank Toronto Maple Leafs. I, and listen, I mean, Toronto. Toronto played Florida, and Toronto looked fantastic. Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and Bunting. That is one 
hell of a line. They're almost unstoppable. I was watch. Alexander Barkov is one of the best defending forwards in the National Hockey League. Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and Bunting played in the offensive zone 90% of the time. That's how good they are. And, and if you ever, and I'm going to repeat this, and I need you to look at me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> if you ever like bring up the stupidest goddamn thing, at, let's trade Austin Matthews if they don't make the play. Austin Matthews is not going anywhere, Petey. They will trade everybody off that team before they trade Austin Matthews. He is a top top three player in the National Hockey League. Okay. He is that good. Do you think do you think Austin Matthews deep down inside wants to be in Toronto after this contract's up? I'm not saying I am is he not... going to be an unrestricted free agent. Yes. Then I, I then am not I yeah, don't know then. Yeah, I'm not saying he doesn't like Toronto. I'm not saying he doesn't love the way Toronto's embraced him. Um, I'm not saying he doesn't like playing in Toronto. I think he's very proud to be a Leaf. I think he's yeah. happy to be a Leaf, but I don't think that's where a kid from Arizona wants to play hockey. No offense. A kid from St. Catharines, Ontario, a kid from North Bay, Ontario. I mean, that's a little bit different. That's the Leafs. But a kid from Arizona, where you literally have a team in your backyard, why would he want to come all the way to Toronto to play you, hockey? You can say that about everybody then. Well, unless you're living in that market where you grew up watching that team, then you could say that about every single kid. Well, you don't think Patrick Kane has a goal one day to come back and play for the Buffalo Sabres? I mean, he's done everything he can in his career, but there's a classic example. But that's different. He's from Buffalo and going to Chicago. It's it's completely different. I mean, anyone anyone will admit that. Any player in the league, if they had to choose between Buffalo or Chicago, they're going to pick Chicago. You know, I know, sim- but what you're that. alluding to right now with, with Austin Matthews. You think Connor is- McDavid wants to be in Edmonton, or would you think he'd rather be in Toronto? Pick one, honestly. He'd rather be in Toronto. Probably because it's he's closer to that that you know is his hometown, but I don't think Austin Matthews looks at this and says, you know, I I don't like being a Toronto Maple Leafs because I'm from Arizona. Never said that. I that's not what I said. That what'd you say? Well, I just that's said exactly that. What I you said, said I don't know. I said I don't think he doesn't like being a Leaf. I don't think he's not. I don't think he's not proud to be a Leaf. I think he loves his situation. But I think when, if you look at the contract that he signed, he took a six-year deal, five or six-year deal, that whatever the deal was, yep. it takes him right to UFA. Okay. So if he loves it there. And now he, he's going to go sign in Arizona because that's where he's from is what you're basically may, saying. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. Why the hell would Austin Matthews want to take a $15 million a year contract and play for Arizona? They suck. They literally are the worst team in the National Hockey League. Okay, fine. So let's move on. So you're making okay. the point. You said that you think Matthews. It, you think gonna, I'm crazy? For- I think he'll see. I think he'll resign in Toronto. I mean, Toronto is one of the most storied franchises in in NHL history. But I don't think he cares. And he's a part of it. I don't think he cares about that. How how could he care? He grew up in Arizona. How does he give two shits about the Leafs' history? 
He can't. He probably does now because he's a part of it. You can say that about every single kid that's playing. Does, does, do you think that uh, Connor McDavid cares about Edmonton Oilers? I just said that. Well, we can go around the entire league then. Every ta- single player is dealing with that. But some guys don't have a choice. Some guys just need to be happy to be in the NHL. Other guys who are superstars and are destined to be great have a choice sometimes where to play at a certain point in their think, career. Honestly, right now that Steve Scam- Stamkos was happy to go first overall to Tampa Bay. Why would you want to go there? He's a Toronto kid. Why would he want to go to Tampa Bay? Well, that's to me. So you're asking me to me, that's a little bit different. I view that oh. one different. What do you mean? Well, his agent's going to sell him on, you know, oh, the state the tax and the, and the state taxes tax. and yeah. the weather. And you oh, know what okay. I mean? Like, like so there's a lot on. of other factors that go into these decisions then. Oh, sure. There are. There always oh, okay. are. Okay. Just like Austin Matthews. He's a desert kid, man. He's from, he's from Arizona. You think he loves putting on the fur coat every day and going to the rink. Absolutely. I think he does. Okay. Without question. Okay. All anyway. Right. Well, no, not, not anyway. Not anyway. So you, you think I'm crazy for saying that, and that's, that's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll take that one on the chin. Um, Elliot's coming up here, so we have to kind of, well, I guess these are a couple things that we could chat with him about, but the Vegas Golden Knights, biggest game of the year tonight for the entire NHL is the Dallas Stars-Vegas Golden Knights. And yep. ba- I don't know if, if Dallas wins this, if Vegas is definitely eliminated from the playoffs, but it weakens their chances. So for me, obviously with what's at stake here, have you seen what Jack Eichel's done the last four games? Have yeah. you seen what he's done? He's done a whole bunch of that. Yep. whole lot of shit soup there. whole lot of shit soup. So you have that story. You have the Sabres draft pick on the line. And you have, you have a playoff race. Yep. And you have Robin Leonard now. You have a goalie controversy because you got a goalie who who's now opting for surgery, I guess. Right? Yep. So Robin Leonard's going under the knife. So, I mean, I guess. And, and that was so interesting, right? Like Pete DeBoer, you know. I expect him to practice tomorrow yeah, is what he said. practice. He, he's, you know, he's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's going to be in the lineup and this and that. And it, it's just, it's really confusing how that has played out in the media and I don't really understand a whole lot because I'm not following uh, Pete DeVore, Robin Leonard and uh, the Vegas Golden Knights is, is maybe as much as I should be, but uh, that's a really weird situation. And, um, but Petey, uh, to, to, to go back to Vegas, Dallas here tonight, if Dallas wins, they knock Vegas out. Mathematically, mathematically, they knock it's over, them. they knock okay. them out. I'd like to see that happen. Yeah. I know there are a lot. I'm just looking at it now. So that would put them at 95. Well, here's the thing, right? So yeah, that would knock them. That would pretty much end them. That would end them actually. So that gives you more reason to watch, right? Cause that so what are your, what are your thoughts on, on Eichel's first return to the league? You think that he has been, um, come as advertised. Do you think that the Vegas Golden Knights are are sitting there thinking that uh, you know they they stole a deal and uh, got the best player? And 
I think this has been a really hard year for Jack. Yeah. You know, like, I, listen, I, I love to shit on Jack Eichel because I just don't like him. I have never liked him. Um, and that's more because of how he has treated people that we know. But it doesn't take away from the, from the, the reality of, of his situation and, and his talent level. And I just I think back, like, what a, what a year and a half this guy's had. Like what a year! Well, it's been a yeah. little over a year. What a, what a thirteen months this guy's had, you know. From he got hurt last year, March seventh, and he had he didn't play. You know, we all we know the whole all the bullshit that went on leading up to the trade, right? Then he had the surgery. Then he comes back, and I just think, what do we expect from this guy? What what, what are people supposed to expect from from this one player who is literally just? When you think about a star player, how many star players have you ever seen or watched or had any kind of controversy with the team have to deal with this, this much in a short period of time? And now someone tweeted that he's getting the Ben Simmons t- treatment uh, in the NHL as it pertains to, you know, new player on a new team um, and supposed to be the star and supposed to lead him to the promised land, which I think a lot of people expected, but I don't know. I mean, Vegas has just been a shitstorm the whole year between injuries and all this other stuff that you can't put it on Jack. You can't go any further than their injuries. You cannot go any further. You can't say there's there's cracks in the armor. There's issues in the dressing room. Uh, Pete DeVore has not performed uh, his coaching duties. Um, they have not made... Uh, moves to make the team better. Like this team is an, a very, very good hockey team. Okay. But they are dealing with significant amount of injuries. And when you have that many injuries to, you know, top players on, on your team, you're, you are not going to be where you want to be. That's, that's just the way it is. You know, Riley Smith is, is one of the leaders on the team. He is was out a significant amount. Max Pacioretty is is a huge part. He's their top left uh, line left winger. He's only played thirty six games this year. You know, Mark Stone, the captain of the team, he's their lifeline. He's the one that makes things tick. He played with an he played through an injury for a large part of the season. Did not perform the way that he probably wanted to. Um, still at 28 points in 34 games, but he, he's a, uh, they missed him not being in, in, in the dress room, in the lineup, you know, and it just goes on and on and on. Jack Eichel was out. He was not playing. And that's a significant piece to their, their puzzle. It, it just, it goes on and on and on with, with guys that have been hurt this year in, in, uh, Vegas. And, uh, they're a much better team. They're a playoff team. That's a, that's a hundred percent. They are they are a playoff team, but uh, injuries have uh, have knocked them out. And this is the this is the only year that I think I would really even root against Vegas. It, and it has nothing to do with Vegas, or Jack. I mean, I guess under the circumstances with the way he left, I'm sure there are a ton of people that did not want to see this guy go and win a Stanley Cup with Vegas. I mean, come on. Another person I think about is a guy like Alex Tuck. When you get traded in that deal 
you know, you look back and you think like, oh, it's very similar to when you got traded to Buffalo. Like you don't want the team that you traded you away to go and win the Stanley Cup. You you had you did not want San Jose as much as you loved every player on that team. You did not want them to have have success without you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just it's it's a common feeling. But but, but I loved all those guys on my I you know they 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 traded me away like they what happened was what what irritated me was um when i when i was there at the start of the year like in the start of that year that i i started um i was considered like the number one defenseman well as much as we were i think we came second in the league that year in points um I'd be the first one to tell you, I am not a number one defenseman. I am not a number two defenseman. I'm not probably even a number three defenseman. I'm a solid number four in the way that I play. I support, you know, uh, another very good player um, and can be a good fit on, on, on a top four. But I was playing the minutes that I was playing. I was playing upwards of 23, 24, 25, 26 minutes a night and I shouldn't have been playing that much. I know I shouldn't have been playing that much, but I did what I had to do. We brought in Soupy Campbell from Buffalo. Okay. He was a huge ad. He's a great hockey player. Um, but to fast forward at the end of that year, uh, Soupy Campbell decided to test uh, unrestricted free agency. So he got paid a boatload of cash. He left. And now they're looking at, at me where they still need, they needed more, they needed more players. And I wish I could have stayed there and, and they would have added, you know, more like a number two, number, number one, number two defenseman, but they elected to trade me and brought in Rob Blake and Dan Boyle. And so for me, looking at my time in Buffalo and sitting here, you know, they were still an insanely strong team and I didn't want them to win per se. I really didn't want them to win, but I loved every guy on that team. It was a, it was a special team. It was and a that really, isn't that, really it's a weird team. emotion, isn't it? Like it's, yes, it's very weird emotion. It's very weird because you're actually cheering for them, but you don't want them to win. So I don't even know how that works. But that was that was my. Well, thought. you're like, you're bluffing yourself, is like you're because you're, I wanted I wanted to you be didn't want to. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to be there still. I signed a a four year contract. Did you feel I, left out? Is that what it was? Did you feel left out while they were because they they were what first in their conference anyway that year? I think either they or Boston won the Presidents Trophy that. Yeah. Year. Um, did I feel left out? I felt uh, I felt cheated a bit. You know. I, I signed a four-year contract there. Doug Wilson gave me that contract, told me that I did not need a no-movement clause. He told me that right to my face. He's like, you're not going anywhere. You're going to be a, you know, you're going to finish your career here. And I'm just like, I'm looking at him going, you know, we got Joe Thornton and Jonathan Chichu just scored 56. And we've got, you know, Patrick Marlowe. And it just went down the line. We had an unbelievable hockey team. It was a great team. And the players together, though, all the players just move into your house. 
Well, here's the thing. All the players after the season were calling me, oh, you're going to sign here. You're going to stay here. Don't don't go to an unrestricted free agency. We want you. I had guys in the team calling me. So I elected not to go to unrestricted free agency. My agent told me, he's like, I think you need to go to unrestricted free agency. He's like, you're leaving a lot of money on the table by, by how, signing. How much, were you, were you, would you have gotten like 4.5 or 5 million? Not the market. No, uh, no, my market uh, was. W- my agent said that my market for a right-handed defenseman um, and the way that I played, I you know, he's like you. You're looking at four point two five to four point five was was what I would get on the open market, and um, for me, it's it's not uh, you know. It wasn't really as much for me about the money. I enjoyed winning. I enjoyed being on a on a top team. I enjoyed the guys that were in the locker room. San Jose's got a really nice setup. Obviously, the weather and you know me playing in Montreal for so long, it's very different. We're talking two different worlds. When you're talking, you know, the Montreal winters to San Jose. It's the same thing I was saying about Austin Matthews in Arizona and Toronto, but go on. Yeah, but you would think, yeah, but what you're alluding to is I'm, I grew up watching the Montreal Canadiens when I was a kid. You you would think that I would want to play for the Montreal Canadiens, which I did and I loved. And Montreal Canadiens organization was absolutely top, top end. But I loved the change. I loved the different, like playing, playing in where, where you're in. For 12 years, you play against the same teams. You play against, you know, the Boston Bruins, Ottawa Senators, you know, Tron Maple. It, you're, you're playing in the same division against the same teams. And when you go out, and I got traded to San Jose, we were playing Arizona, Dallas, LA, Anaheim. That was, that was our division. And it was like, it was going from sunny to sunnier from hot to hotter the the way the way that san jose ran their organization on off days you could wear shorts and a metallica t-shirt they didn't care in montreal i told you the story that saku koibu and i were in in florida or 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 california one of the two and it was super hot we're talking like super hot it was like in the 80, uh, high 80s, and we got fined $500 each for not wearing a suit jacket. Yeah, that's so what I was that's We're, what we're was wearing like dress pants, jerseys, a long too. shirt, a, a long sleeve button shirt in 85, 88, 89 degree weather, going, you know, to a mall and walking around and just kind of like killing some time on our on our off day. And uh, we ended up showing up to a dinner. And the team and I'm not the players didn't because, you know, Saku was the captain and I was the assistant and we were both older at the time. And uh, we showed up to dinner and the brass the man, the coaching staff, fine us five hundred dollars each because we didn't have our suit jackets. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? What do you want me to do? Sweat all? I'm I'm sweating all over the 
shirt that I have right now, let alone that how was the same in New Jersey. Like I, I'm 99% sure that when we were in Jersey, we had to wear on the off days, we had to wear suits like our suit pants and maybe a golf shirt was like, what was, yeah. If it was sunny, but I mean, other than that, like, I don't think we were allowed to wear jeans and our own clothing. You know, I you could I mean, wear I was, anything you wanted, San Jose. I showed up to my first dinner. I flew actually into call, uh, Colorado was was the first um, when I got when I got traded to San Jose. We were playing our first game in Colorado and I showed up to dinner and the and, and this was not a dinner that the team did. It was like this was just a a dinner that uh, I think Joe Thornton kind of texted me. And he said, hey, Ribs, show up at this uh, restaurant. Just a couple of boys are having dinner. So I was like, great. I show up, Petey. There's 20 guys there. 20 guys. I'm literally looking. I'm like, what the hell? This Is this a, did everybody have to come to this? He's like, no, no, no. He goes, a couple guys aren't here because they have family in town. But this is, this is usually our, our team dinners. And I'm like, what? The entire team showed up and I get there and they're all looking at me. They start laughing because I'm wearing a suit with a button collar and everything. And all these guys at the table are wearing like shorts, jean shorts with a Metallica t-shirt hats on backwards. I'm like, I'm like, what is going on here? I could not believe that another team, this is how it was run. It was interesting because, you know, um, I thought it was a little to to me. I thought it was a little um, overboard in the sense, allowing the players to do whatever they wanted. But I like the common ground in between. But. uh, Good times. So we got there because we were talking about Jack and, you know, you playing on another team and rooting for the, uh, for a team that you're, you're not on anymore and success. Like I'm saying, you know, about, uh, you know, I think I was, I can't remember how he got on this topic. You went down a real fucking rabbit hole there, but basically, you know, we were talking about Vegas tonight and Dallas and whatever, but the, the, the person I think about tonight with that Dallas Vegas game is Kevin Adams. And the reason why is because I sit and I think, there's no way when he made this trade that he thought that this could even be a possibility that this draft pick could be a non-playoff draft pick. You know what I mean? Like there there was there was no way. I looked at something the other day where ESPN showed um or someone showed all the picks from everyone at ESPN, okay? And I don't know how many people were on it. Maybe 10, 12 10 of them were Vegas. Tortorella had Calgary, which was genius. And someone else picked somebody else. I can't remember who it was. But the point is, is that there's nobody in the world saw this coming. And Kevin Adams got to be sitting there thinking, I have a date tonight with my television and the Vegas Golden Knights and Dallas Stars because this is massive for the future of his team as well. Very much so. Um, I'm going to watch that game with, with not, not a, uh, wanting of Jack to miss the playoffs. 
I'm not. And I know, uh, you know, some people are going to listen to this podcast and say, you're freaking crazy. But I don't have any ill will towards Jack and what he's doing in Vegas. He's moved on. I mean, we all need to move on. We, we, you don't hold a grudge. I feel sure that you Jack. Sure why? you do. Why? Why? Because I don't think anybody in Buffalo right now would want to see Jack Eichel leave the way he did and then go on and win a Stanley Cup in Vegas. What are you talking about? What? Are, what? Are, next year might be different, but no, that the trade happened this year, the surgery happened this year. So I mean, you can look and say, "Oh yeah, everything's going great in Buffalo. Everything's great," but nobody wants to see Jack Eichel do well right now. I'm sorry, I don't care. I don't care who you are. Unless so you're, you're go- unless so you're going nice fan. Are you nice telling fan. me that you would not want to watch Jack in a playoff game? If I had to, I would. I'd like to see how he played, but I don't. I I think it's for me. The better story is Karma's a bitch, and you know you you wanted out of here. You got the trade you wanted. You switched agents. They facilitated the deal that you wanted. They accommodated the deal. Everything. And you're supposed to go there. You're happy. Oh, yeah, I got a chance to win a cup. No. No, you don't. Not this year. Back to the Cape. Enjoy a long summer. Next year, hit the reset button. I don't care what happens after that. But right yeah. away, right so you're away. you're just talking this year because. This year, yeah. Because you're never going to. You're not going to keep Vegas out of the playoffs for the next few years. No chance. So, yeah, I, I, I do feel that way. I feel very strongly that way. And not for me. For the fan base here that that got robbed. That got robbed. Yeah. You know, like they they got robbed. Well, I, I think of I think of it on a personal note. And and what I mean by that is that I love to watch playoff hockey. I love watching playoff hockey. So if I had an opportunity to watch the Dallas Stars in the playoffs this year or the Vegas Golden Knights. They're not on the same stratosphere. Do you understand? They're not even on the same stratosphere. I would, I would watch every single Vegas Golden Knights game because I'm going to be interested to see what Jack Eichel can do in a playoff game. Well, I hope, you have, to, I hope you have to wait until next year. Okay. And if I sound like a dick, well, then that's exactly how I intend to sound. Because I, I don't want to see it. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to see this kid get what he wants. He got, what he, he got enough of what he wanted. He doesn't need the whole package right away. He doesn't need it all. He doesn't need a trip to the playoffs. He doesn't need it all. Simple it as that. took him a long time to get what he wanted, though, right? I had to wait a Did long, you see he was long, nominated long for the Masterson tro- Masterton Trophy? Did you see that? I did not. Yeah. I got to read the, uh, I got to read this to you. Um, something about sticking up for players rights and medical beliefs and all this stuff. And someone sent it to me here. I'll, I'll find it for you, but yeah, I, uh, I couldn't believe it when I saw that someone, someone sent this to me that he was, he is the Vegas golden Knights nomination for the Masterton award. How about that one? How about that? 
you got Carey Price for Montreal, and then there were, you know, I, I mean, Carey Price is the Masterton Trophy winner. But again, again, if you put aside the disdain that you have for Jack Eichel, he did the right thing. Says who? Says me. <laughs> Jack Eichel did the right thing by sticking to his guns. Now, listen, that's all he did was stick to his guns. He didn't. That's right. Go, he, because didn't, he didn't want a freaking surgery that the team was was making him do. They weren't. Well, here's the thing, though, Craig. Here's the thing. They weren't making him do it. That was their suggestion. They didn't trust the other procedure. The fact of the matter is, is that the procedure that the Buffalo doctors were actually offer or not offering, but were suggesting was the, was the best surgery for the player, to be honest with you. I mean, the fusion, the fusion was the better procedure. It's the, probably the more invasive. It's the one that takes longer to recover, but this, this procedure that he had, so what you is, can't is, say it's the better surgery because the one that Jack had has never been done on an NHL player before. Well, that was it. It was par- partly the risk, and it's it comes down to the device, too. With a fusion, you at least have the bone that have fused between the vertebrae that keep your neck stable. This this is a standalone device within your within your vertebrae. You're basically... You're banking on on um, on a you're ba- banking on a uh, a freestanding um, piece of metal in your in between your neck that could could pop at the wrong hit. Where at least with a fusion, you have the the fusion between the vertebrae that that keep that neck stable. That's the whole that was the whole point okay. of a fusion. I don't want to play doctor here because I can't sit here. And I'd love to be able to debate this, but I can't debate it because I don't absolutely, I have no, no knowledge of how all this works. Neither do you. Bullshit. Uh, I, bullshit. I've spoken to, I've actually spoken right, to neurosurgeons and spine surgeons that do these procedures. Okay. So that makes non-stop. you a fucking doctor because you fucking spoke with a neurosurgeon for five minutes on Jack Eichel's. Gives me a better neck. understanding of oh, what on. procedure, what the procedure that Jack right. had was pushed primarily by the surgeon for the simple fact of, of publicity. It was more of a publicity okay. thing. He was sold on a publicity stunt. Okay. I can't get into debating this, so let's just kind of move on. No interest? No. Okay. Anyway. I don't have the facts. I don't have an understanding of it. I, do, I really do not understand it, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to go back to it. I agree with what Jack Eichel did. He stood for what he wanted. It's his body. He's the one who's going to have to deal with the repercussions of any surgery that he gets for the rest of his life. And believe me, you have a very, 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 very long life after hockey. Okay. You go and play in the, in the league. Jack's going to play 15 years in the national hockey league, but then he's going to have to live another 50 And if you don't take care of yourself, I'm dealing with many issues after the game of hockey, okay? And I look at Jack and say, you do what you think is right for your body. 
That's it. Period. So good on him. Good on him. Um, Elliot Friedman coming up, and we'll chat with him about, you know, obviously the Vegas-Dallas situation um, and a lot of other stuff here. All right, joining us now on episode 89, Elliot Friedman. Uh, a little, gave him a little break last week. Gave him, a, gave him the week off. Glad, <laughs> glad, glad you enjoyed it. And uh, you, can join, you can jump right into our, our, I guess, our conversation right now. We're talking about the Dallas-Vegas game. We're talking a little Jack Eichel, how yep. he was nominated for the Masterton Award. Um, do you have a vote on that, by the way? I do. So how many how do you have to vote one player from each team? How does the voting work no, for the match? Basically, basically what it works is now, just so everyone understands, I don't nominate I'm not involved in the nomination of individual people in each uh, market. Basically, the way it works is I'm a member of what's called like there's the people who vote on the Hart, the Norris, the Calder, the Selkie, the um, Bing, the All-Star teams, and the Masterton are what's called the Professional Hockey Writers Association. And the Professional Hockey Writers Association is divided into some different groups. There's the individual markets of all 32 teams, and there's what's called the international group, which is what I'm part of. I'm not, because of my position, I'm not assigned to a specific market. I'm like part of the international group. And so the way this works is each individual market, the chapter, they select one person from their team to be nominated. So it's the Vegas chapter that would nominate Jack Eichel. And then he's one of 32, obviously. And then the whole membership votes on who should win from that 32. And I think you vote, I think it's three people and you vote them one, two, and three. Well, are you willing to tell us here who you voted for? I, well, we haven't done it yet. It's not final yet. We, we okay. still have a few days. Um, I'll tell you this. Like, I, I thought from the beginning of the year, it would be very difficult, and especially the way he handled himself this year and also played when his team wasn't very good. It would have been easy for him to miss a lot more time than he did. I, I was always leading this year for over the last little while to Kevin Hayes from Philadelphia. Um, and it might he might still be my number one vote. It's very possible. But there's some other people I've considered. Um, I, I've considered Carey Price. I've considered uh, Zanino Chara. Uh, particularly because who knows? I mean, this could be the last week we watch Zeno Chara play. And uh, if anybody's dedicated themselves to hockey, it's been Chara. But generally this year, my my number one choice has tended to be Kevin Hayes. Now, where now, uh, just just for conversation's sake, because we were just having the conversation, where does Jack Eichel fall on that list for you? Uh, you know what? I, I think, like, if you go through that list of players, there's some unbelievable stories there. Um you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think it's, he's high. I don't necessarily think he's top three. He might not be on my ballot, but he's like, the way I generally do things is I look at the list. I, and then what I do is I just, I just separate them from, yes, I would consider this person to no, I would not consider this person as much as some of the other stories. And then I start to whittle it down till I get to my top three. Jack list is Jack Eichel is in the list of people I would consider, but when I got it down to like top three, he wasn't initially in there. So that's kind of where I, I think I take his candidacy seriously, but 
although I'm not finished deciding yet, he wasn't temporarily in what I was looking at as my top three. My top two, I'll tell you this, are, are probably going to be Hayes and Chara, and then we'll see where I go from there. Do you think uh, Zidane Chara, think this is, uh, he's going to call it quits after this year? I think it's possible. I just don't know that for sure. Well, what keeps him in the league? Same thing that keeps everybody else in the league. The man loves to play. Yeah. Do you think he, he has the truth? Hockey. Do you think he still has the game in him? I, I think that, um, put it this way, I think teams will always be happy to have him um, because of who he is and how he how he carries himself and the effort he makes to get himself ready and the pride he has in it. I just think, you know, if you've watched him play this year, uh, you know, he's, you know, he, he's limited just in terms of, you know, he's, I mean, he's probably a third pair defenseman right now. And, um, you know, I think there's a couple of things that are there. Num- and there's no shame in that. Like, I'm not, I'm not ripping Zidane Chara. He could play for me anytime he wants. I think, you know, the question becomes, A, how does he feel about that? And B, you know, is there an understanding that he might have to play less in, in the future? And how does he feel about that? You know, like, like, you know, it's kind of like Yandel, right? Like, if there's not a consecutive game streak here. But when you get later in a player's career, especially a great player like Chara, it's not always easy for them to accept that they cannot play as much. So how do they feel about it? The last couple of years for him, I found to be really weird. I mean, he has never fought this much. It, like, I mean, he, he, he fought a few times or a bunch this year, a bunch last year. And you just look and you think, what, what's all, what's all that about? Yeah, what's lost, going on? He lost his shit against the uh, Carolina Hurricanes there the other night. It was kind of funny watching him push everybody around. <laughs> like, well, one who pissed me off in that whole video, Elliot. I don't even oh. know who the player is. He shoved the one player. I think I can't remember who it was. And he was on his way down. And Chara's teammate caught the guy and held him, kept him up. <laughs> Times have changed, Andrew. <laughs> have they ever? Normally, you help that guy down to the ice. Yeah, you he's, see a, the, he's a scary guy when he when he's, he's angry. Oh, oh, is he ever? Like the people who fought him when he's angry, like Brian McCabe and those guys. Oh my God! Did you see the NBA game the other guy the other night? It was, I guess, it was Phoenix New Orleans. The the New Orleans guy got knocked down. The Phoenix guy wanted to help him up, but he refused to take the hand. Like, yeah. That, it was kind of. I thought about. I think about stuff like that. Like, hey, side note. Side note. Don't do those, that. Those Raptors are clawing back in. Yeah. Those Raptors are clawing back into the series. Um. I I asked Char to fight. I asked Char to fight once when he was in Ottawa, and he said no. And that's not because he was afraid. It was just I think circumstances of the game. And I I got to tell you, I was kind of happy. And then there was a game when he was in Boston where I went at him and we were kind of shoving each other during the play. We were coming up ice and, and, you know, I heard a line that he said to somebody once, like, you don't, I play 25 minutes a night or whatever. And he didn't say that to me, but he kind of brushed me off. Like I was a waste of his time. And then I get back to the bench and I remember saying, I remember Adam Mayer turned to me and he goes, he goes, uh, that would have been a good, uh, good trade-off. I'm like, Oh, you think so? He's like, well, yeah, we would have. <laughs> He's like, well, not for you, but we would have got Char off the ice for five minutes. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm, like, I'm like, I see how I can be used. Get Char. At least he was honest with you. 
at least he was honest with me. Talk about the magnitude of this uh, Dallas Vegas game tonight. Well, hold on, hold on a second. I want to talk to you a bit more about Eichel. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Go for it, please. Because you know, look, obviously there's there's a difference in the way Buffalo feels about him. Some of Buffalo, at least, anyway, and and other people. You know, the 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 thing about Eichel is that the reason that people are thinking he should be nominated is that. Um, you know, he stood up for himself and his player rights. And, you know, now Tyler Johnson has also had the same surgery as Eichel and he played. So we'll, we'll you know, we hope this continues to work. Um, but I'm curious, like, Riv, I, I'd be curious to hear what you have to hear in particular, because you've been very vocal in your feelings about Eichel. Do you feel that he should not be a Masterton candidate? You know, I, here, here's the thing. Like, it, it was like, um, I'm going to clarify something here. When we're talking the player Jack Eichel, okay, the guy that has been here for six years, I think that he was a very good player for the Buffalo Sabres. I think that he gave everything that he had each and every night to this team. He put this team on his back many, many nights for, the, for this fan base. I didn't like the way he spoke off, off the ice. Like his his maturity level and in, in dealing with the media in tough times is something is is on on another scale. Okay, Jack Eichel, I think, and I Petey and I just talked about this. I think Jack Eichel did exactly what he needed to do, and I feel that. I would have done the same thing too. I'm not going to have a team tell me what I'm going to do with my body. It's, it's, and there's no disrespect for the Buffalo Sabres, Kevin Adams and, and dealing with all of this, but this is a player that you need to make the decisions that you feel is right for you. And you have the ability to go out and get second and third opinions, which is what Jack Eichel did. And it came back that he liked the opinion moving forward of a certain surgery. Mm-hmm. And I think he did the right thing. But you didn't ask, you didn't answer his question. He asked if you thought he was a. No, I, I think that's fair for. Oh, okay. All right. That's but do, you I, think that- do I think he should be nominated for it? Um, no, but you know, is there, does every team have to nominate somebody? Well, the, the, the media in every market have to nominate somebody, yes. Okay, so who, who is, who's Vegas going to nominate if they don't nominate Jack Eichel? I'm sure there's other people there that they can nominate. But none, none that sticks out like Jack and what he, what he went through and what he dealt with. I, so I think I, that off the, off the top of my head, like there could be, you know, I mean, you know, you could always do- nominate Lanner. I mean, he's been through an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know now we're in the middle of something else. Off the top of my head, I, I don't know if there's any particular story that stands out anymore, Craig. But I, that's the reason. I, you know, I read the story as to why the submission, as to why he was nominated, and you know that was it. I, I, I so I know you didn't ask my opinion, Elliot, but I'm going to give it. I when I saw that, I rolled my eyes. When I saw, when I heard, you know, oh, he stood up for his, uh, you know, his medical rights and whatever. You know, I rolled my eyes because I don't recall Eric Lindros getting a Masterton vote or nomination back when he did that with the Flyers. Right. But, but, and he was the first player to really, you know, stand up for, for, you know, players' medical rights. 
But as I listened to Craig before you came on and I listened to you now, I, the guy came back from neck surgery and played. And he's played well. I mean, he, like, he hasn't done much in the last four games to help his team. That's irrelevant. I mean, it's a pretty big feat in itself. to have. He was, a, also, he was also off for how long before that? A year. Right? Almost I mean, like nine, ten months. I mean, I, I, I think mm-hmm. I'm like... It's not a. It's not a bad. You can. You got to put your emotions aside about Jack, and you just look at it and you think, you know what? Like, uh, yeah, maybe worthy of of the nomination for sure. Maybe not to win it. Maybe for me, maybe more Carey Price. But, but I definitely, I definitely get it now for sure. The nomination anyway. Okay. So, how about that game tonight though? Dallas Vegas. Is there a bigger game on the docket this year than that game? Uh, the only reason I would say I would hope there will be because it means that there's still meaningful games over the last three or four days. But right now, it's it's the biggest. There's there's no question about that. Um, I, I like I watch, I stayed up late to watch that Vegas game on Sunday night as we were recording our own podcast. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I, I when it was four to two, I thought it was over. And you know what? Good on Timo Meyer who talked the talk and walked the walk. Right? He said this is, should be a big game for us and. He's the one that tied it with under a second left and they won in the shootout. I couldn't believe it. They got, you know, Vegas got a power play in overtime. They still couldn't score. Um, it, it's as if the gods wanted this to be entertaining. That's that's basically the way I looked at it. I, I can't believe what's happening in Vegas. I, I think that, you know, and, and we don't have all the information yet, and but it is it is not pretty there right now it is not pretty there right now. in what in what respects well you know I, I think that as the season has kind of started to slip away from them um i think the internal pressure is really ramped up um you know they have a lot of guys hurt um you have leonard now um is is furious at the organization um and feeling he's being unfairly criticized and, and treated and, you know, I mean, you know, at some point in time, he's going to talk about it because he's not afraid to. And well, what know, happened there? I mean, one day DeBoer is saying he expects him on the ice for practice. And the next day he's he's under he's going for surgery. Yeah. Uh, well, basically what happened was the you know, Leonard's been playing hurt. He's got, you know, they announced he's going to have shoulder surgery, but he also has a, a, a knee injury and he may have one other injury, too. And he's been playing hurt and, you know, he feels he's been giving it a great effort. Um, you know, obviously, you know, when you're injured like that, it affects your play. The other goalie, Logan Thompson has probably been a little bit better. And, um, but Leonard's competed. He's, he's, he's tried to play hard. Um, he doesn't see eye to eye with the organization about some things. And he feels that, you know, some of the criticism of the way he's played has been unfair and he also, last Wednesday in a game against Washington, he got pulled after giving up a goal, and he was very upset about it. He let them know he was very upset about it. And on Thursday, he let the organization know, you know what, I'm going to go get surgery. And, you know, I think for two days, him and his agents and, and the Golden Knights were and the doctors were talking all about it, what's the right process here. And that's why DeBoer said what he did, because it hadn't been decided. And they asked him to back up on Sunday and then they shut him down on Monday. But, you know, like it's, it, it's not pretty. And, you know, we'll see what Leonard decides to say, or if he decides to say anything, you guys know him as well as anybody else does. 
when when he talks, he doesn't hold anything back. He he lets it all fly. Yeah, I can't wait to hear his uh, if if we get a postseason press conference from him here, whenever that is. I mean, I, I just I look at that and I think, man, like they have a lot of drama going on there in Vegas. I mean, from the yes. salary cap to the Jack trade to all the injuries. I mean, it is just it's it's it seems like it's unraveling when it shouldn't. Yes. I think that's a I, I think that's a fair way to put it. I mean, the other thing too is is that he's you know, he's under contract for three more years. That'll get ugly. Good luck. Good luck with that one. Having mm-hmm. having a an unhappy goalie. What's he making? Five million? Five. I think it's five. I mean, I think it's five and a half. Five and a half. Five. Five. But I but actually the salary goes up the next two years. He's five this year in actual cash. Then it's six and a half and six and four and a half. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like uh well don't worry. They've got Captain Jack Eichel there. He'll galvanize that group. Oh, get you see that you know what? He goes and says something positive, Elliot, and then he just has to go and turn that dagger around. Um I yeah, well, I don't think they need Jack to galvanize that group. I think they need everybody healthy. Um Elliot, what do you think about what's going on here in Buffalo? I mean, let's like you can't ignore the Buffalo Sabres right now and their the way they're finishing their season. Well, you know, one of the things I've always been very careful about is, you know, teams that do very well when the seasons are over. I, I've always been very wary about that kind of thing. Um, but this does look different. I, I, I mean, Tage Thompson. You know, that's, that's, this does not look like a fluke. Like a fluke is 20 games, right? This guy's going to score 40. I mean, this, this guy's going to score 40 goals. You know, like Jeff Skinner, the way they play in general, you know, they, they play with good structure. You can tell everybody knows what they're doing. Right now, the other thing someone said to me was someone, there was someone I know who was at your game on Saturday, whoever you guys played on Saturday. And he told me, he said, all of a sudden, the Sabres have two number one defensemen. They've got Deline and they've got power. And he says that changes a team. He said, we're just, you know, and that's what he said to me. He said, he watched your game and he said, look, you guys have been improving all year. And now, now Owen Power has just dropped on your lap. Says, and and he actually, you guys like Samuelson, right? I think you oh. guys have told me that before. He said, he said Samuelson. He's is the like, most underrated, thankless player that they have, certainly on the back end. Like, well, I you mean, know, Riv, that's every, what, that's what this guy said to me. He said Samuelson is could be a top pair defenseman in this league too. It's amazing you're saying this because I was talking to someone who works in the league the other day. I mean, we all talked to people and they said Buffalo has without anybody knowing it right now, one of the best top four D pairing D in the entire NHL. Yeah. And no one even realizes it. That's like, that's no, basically no one gives Yoki Harju nearly the credit that he deserves. And then you have Darlene that's taken off as well. So yeah. Samuelson in power. 
You know, it, that that's what, you know, that's what he said to me. He's not as big on Yoka Harju as, as others, but he says he fits very nicely with that group. And I, I just I, like, you know, to me, I didn't even think about that really, but you know, if, if you guys get Dalene and powers just starting, but you lock him up, you know, I, I think, I think you guys, I, I to me, the number one question is what are you doing long-term in goal? Like Anderson set such a tone for you guys this year and he played so hard. That's my question is where are you guys looking long-term in goal? Well, a lot of people are talking about the cap floor for Buffalo next season. And, you know, isn't Anderson a guy that you could go and give a couple million pay raise to because of how he's performed? Oh, yeah. Like, the thing is, well, number one is, you know, does he want to play next year? I think think that's the obvious question. You guys have already told Anderson if he wants to come back, he's welcome to come back. So, I mean, that's the first question is – you know, does he does he want to play? And if he does, I, I mean, I hope he does. I love watching him play. I hope he's back. You know, the but the other thing is, you know, with him that you have to have two more goalies in your system simply because of age, right? You, you need to have two other guys who can play. And so I, that's my biggest question for you is, even with Anderson, what's your plan and goal? I don't like, like, I know there's a lot of fans freaking out there about Le, uh, Levi. I'm not. I think that's going to sort itself out. I, I think you have to understand that kid is a little bit different. He's he's not, he's not afraid of doing things a little bit differently. He's and and it works for him. And I just like I don't have any reason to believe that that kid is not interested in being a Buffalo Saber. You just have to wait out. He's going to do it on his terms, and that's just the way it is. I don't understand why people are are, are panicking over his decision to go back. Like. He's a super young hockey player. He's only 20 years old. Goaltenders usually, usually their path is they take a little bit longer, you know, a couple of years in the minors. And then, you know, they're, they're coming into the league at usually what, 24, 25 years old. And then they have, you know, long careers after that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think Devin Levi had, had a phenomenal year this year at, at Northeastern, but I, I actually agree with the decision that he's making to go back to college and play another year there. There is no rush for this kid. He's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm with, and you know, to be honest, I had some guys say to me, they're like as good as he is. They just don't think he's ready for this yet. They, they think he made the right call too. So I, I know why people freak out because, you know, Portillo, who knows what's going to happen here. And, you know, Buffalo is, you know, is, is the place where more people want to leave lately than stay. So it's like a jilted lover, Craig. It's like when, when you call 30 people to go to the high school prom with you and they all say no, you get a little bit afraid of calling number 31. So yeah, that's what it is. But, I, like, I'm not worried about that one. I, I don't worry about Levi. I, I think it's all going to work out. How do you think the league's feeling about the, uh, I shouldn't say the amount of no, of 100-point guys, but, I mean, there are a lot more this year than there have been in years past. I think it's good. Simple. I love it. Offense yeah. sells, Andrew. I know people don't like that, but offense sells. Yeah, I certainly don't think they would have been disappointed in it, but, I mean, they've done a great job trying to open up the game, wouldn't you say? I mean, or did it just happen? Like, where, where did it happen? I mean, it just seems like... 
like it just has kind of come on over the last few years where the game has just opened right up and there's a lot more score. Maybe, maybe not even more scoring, but more hundred point guys, which I think people want to see, but I feel yes. like the scoring's way up. Well, it is, um, you know, the, the save percentage I think is the lowest it's been in 16 years. Um, I, I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, teams don't get a lot of time to practice anymore. And I think that affects it. Number two, I think the youngest players are more skilled than ever. They can all shoot. Like if a goalie leaves them a tiny, like a tiny, tiny hole, they can find it. They're, they're so skilled now. It's ridiculous how good they are. This, this shooting, this, the stick technology is so good. People can put it anywhere they want to. Um, I'm like, I'm unbelievably impressed by how good they are. Um, I I don't think that has anything to do with the stick. That has to do with the player. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, I, I think like, they're all great shooters. You're, you're, you're saying the technology of the stick, like, you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry is going to be putting it to where they want because they're using the stick. I think the players are today are, they're, they're ungodly skilled. They, well, that, that's the way I would prefer. I think, but I think if they were shooting with wooden sticks like you were in the 80s and 90s. But or- my uh, Bauer Supreme Light was an absolute missile. <laughs> Uh, I, I I don't mean to insult your shooting ability. Well, you just kind of did. Sorry, bud. No, that's okay. But uh, but you're right. They are incredibly talented. And the other thing too, it's not just their shooting. What they can do with the puck is it, it's incredible. I think that. Yeah. Is, I also think that if you look at goaltending around the league, like, like a decade ago or 20 years ago, like there were 25 teams that had a real good number one goalie. Right. I don't think there's that many anymore. And there's more platoons. And the other thing, too, is one coach joked with me, the young kids today don't like to play defense. So, like, but he said between all those, but I think between all those things, lack of practice, the incredible talent, the technology, um, you know, the fact that goaltending, I think, on an individual basis is not as strong as it was. uh, I, I think the thing that I like the most about it, guys, is it's happening at even strength. You know, this is not inflated by power plays. I, got, I, got I also to... think too, like I, I should say this too, and I, Greg Wyshynski, I think, had a story about this, and I, I completely agree with it. Is that it's not as mean a league as it used to be. Like when you guys played, if you cut to the middle, you got killed. If you went to the front of the net, you got. If you didn't have extra padding on your lower back for all those cross checks, you got hurt. Like that stuff isn't happening anymore. It is not as mean a league as it used to be. It's funny, you just brought up Greg Wyshynski. I was reading something that he wrote the other day, and, and I watch a lot of NBA these days, and my, my son is big time into basketball. Yeah. And I, I look and I think, you know, he had a, he had a, a to, the topic was, will we see more teams in the playoffs in years yeah. to come? Like, is that something you could ever see? Because the NBA does their play-in, their play-in rounds. Mm-hmm. And I, to be honest with you, I'm very new, so I don't know if that was something that started in the bubble for them, or. but I know the league did it, the NHL did it, because that was the year Chicago eliminated yep. Edmonton, and yep. everyone was shocked by that. I called that, by the way, but we're not patting each other on the back here. But do you think that's something that could ever happen, where they, they actually expand the playoff reach? That is something I've been fighting for for years, that I, I think that we should do that. I think more games that are meaningful are better for the league. I think they create interest, things like that. Uh, the commissioner is dead set against it. He doesn't like it. 
Um, there are owners who support it and he has fought them on it and he's against it. And, you know, one of the reasons is he likes the regular season to matter. Um, but the other thing is, and it's kind of happened this year, Andrew, and that, that's the worst thing to me about this year on the Eastern Conference is he has always argued, you know, what happens if a, a team that makes the playoffs, like, like, look, like right now, as we sit on this recording on this on Tuesday morning, um, the difference between the number eight seed in the East, which is Washington, and the number nine seed, the New York Islanders, is 20 points. And, you know, they've always said, like, what if, an, what if a team has finishes 20 points out in the regular season, wins a one-game playoff to get into the playoffs? They think that's wrong. They think that's really wrong. And unfortunately, now, this year is an outlier. It is, it is an absolute outlier. I don't think, I hope this won't be the case again. Uh, but that's their argument, that why should a team like the Islanders or Columbus get a one-game shot to get into the playoffs in a year where you finish 20 points out of the playoffs? It's a great, I don't, I don't, great point. I don't necessarily disagree with that. And I like to argue against a lot of Gary Bettman's points just for mm-hmm. fun. But that's that's a tough one to uh, that's a tough one to argue. As I as you say, as you look at the, the the conference now, I'm looking at the the Atlantic Division, and I I mean we're Buffalo based, so I mean we we look we watch the Sabers a lot more than a lot of other teams. Which team in the Atlantic Division do you think makes the playoffs first? Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, or Montreal? Ooh, that's a good question. Because um, a few of them are like Detroit's trending upward, Buffalo's trending upward. I like Ottawa, by the way. Hey, Elliot. I do too. Do you remember like two months ago? I would we say ha- Buffalo and Ottawa, by the way. Those would be the teams I would. Oh, name. before Craig. Yeah, Ottawa's but you just <laughs> two months ago, Elliot, you were talking all shop on Detroit. Remember? You know, yeah, I was. Uh, you know, here, here's the thing. First of all, Craig, opinions change, and I, I, I'm not locked in. <laughs> yes, what a dick, we eh? like to, what we a like dick. to hold you to it. Okay? Just know, holding you it's over it's the good. fire. It's good. We all, we all could use some, like, some people keeping score on all of our. Hey, at the beginning of this year's Craig, I said the best team in Canada was Winnipeg. That was an even worse prediction. Um, you know, I, I, I think that the one thing about Detroit is. Like one of the things, like Detroit, Buffalo, like I think Ottawa is going to take some big swings this summer. I think Ottawa looks at it like we 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 have to start going for the playoffs. We we want to be a playoff team. Like I like I think they're interested in Giroux, and we'll see if he goes there. But the other thing I'm wondering about here, guys, is between Buffalo and Detroit, and even Columbus, although they're in the other division. When is ownership and management they're going to say, okay, it's time to it's time to take some big swings and get back into the playoffs? Like the one thing about this year is I think you guys have a plan. And I think you guys really believe in your plan. But you know, you're the one thing that the end of the season does is it starts to get you to say, like, are we ready? You know, do we go and do we make that big move to add one big piece we think we need so we can challenge for the playoffs next year. It's one, it's one piece. It's you're not changing the year. Like, why what, wouldn't that be the, the thought process right now? If that's because, the case, it might be, it might be like, Craig, I don't know that it isn't, but the one thing I know about Carmanos and, and Adams is that they have preached. Like we have to stick to the plan. 
where we've gotten in trouble in the past is where we've varied from the plan and we've done stupid things. So like, I, I think like, and it's working for you. Like you're building, you've got something, you've got something lasting here. So my question is, you know, so what do you think that one piece is? I thought you were going to ask what I, what we thought that that move was in the past that has slowed things down. And that would probably be the, deal for Kane and Bogosian, but that's not what you're asking. Yeah. So what do you like? So, so, so see, what's the big piece in Buffalo. So, yeah. so for no, me, they, there isn't one. I don't, you, I don't couldn't think bring there one superstar anything. here and change. It's like five pieces. I think, I really? think they I think need another year. year. I think they need another year to do exactly what they just did this year. Okay. So, and, so, and, and what I would, what I would say is they need, certain pieces, certain tinkers with the lineup that is going to make them even stronger, but they're not going to be so significant that it's going to change the outcome of, of games. Like okay. they need a, uh, a five, six defenseman, but they need him to be six, four, 225 pounds. You know what I'm saying? That is mm-hmm. leadership. He's a great defender. Skates. Just well. say like, his name. They need Eric Branson. 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 Well, he could be available. I mean, Calder's well, not going to be able to pray the Lord because he is absolutely now, what they need. I will say this about the Branson, and this is a guy I've seen a lot of in the last five years. If you're going to bring in Eric Branson, you need a structured system around him. Like that's the one thing. Like he's in a perfect place right now. Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter understands how to use Eric Branson. He said, "You know, if you watch some of the other teams, they put him in places where he wasn't able to succeed." Because Goodbranson has to be plugged in a certain way, and then he will thrive, which he has done this year. The Flames understand that. So if you're going to bring him to Buffalo, Don Granado, who I think who's showing he's a really good coach, actually, uh, Don Granado and the Sabres, they have to be able to put him in and say, you know what? He's got to play a certain way. It's got to be set up for him a certain way. But the thing is, like that, that's, that's my overall point, uh, C, is that – I just think that Buffalo has to decide is because, you know, look, Florida is going to be good for a while. Tampa is going to be good for a while. Toronto, I still think, I mean, Toronto's having their best year in franchise history. We'll see if it translates into anything in the playoffs. And I mean, to me, the one wild card, and I just generally think they're always good, but eventually Boston's going to have some turnover and transition here. But it's going to be hard to make the playoffs in this division. You've got a really top-heavy division. And the, all those teams, they have staying power. So my question to Buffalo is, do you say this summer is a go-for year in terms of we want to make it next year? Or are we doing what you're saying, which is, you know, we're going to grind for another year and get these guys a bit more experience and then see what we're going to do? Yeah, Kevin Kevin came on the, uh, on the pod here a couple of weeks ago and basically – you know, I asked him that question, you know, and I think, I think they don't look at making a bunch of moves as the right move. I think stay the course, bring up your Quins, your Paterkas, get power a little more time, maybe surround them with a few other tough players. You know what I mean? Bring in some, some gritty guys, but, but there's no, I mean, who, who even knows if that works out? Cause those players got, I want to come here. Um, Ryan gets laugh is retiring from the NHL and yeah, he's done. I, I get, yeah, he's done. Is he uh, is he a Hall of Famer, Elliot? 
Like, what kind of question? That's the easiest question you're ever going to ask me on this podcast. Think so? Of course it, oh, you don't, do you not think so? Uh, first ballot? Uh, well, the thing is, like, it, you can't say first ballot because we don't know how, like, it's not like baseball where it's a bunch of people who vote and everybody publishes their ballots. And in, in hockey, it's, it's the committee, which is 18 people or something like that, and they never tell us how they vote. I could absolutely see him making it the first year he's eligible, but it, it's it's tougher to say. I, I really like Getzlev. To me, he's an automatic Hall of Famer. He's he's in the Hall of Fame. Okay, all right. I, you I guys don't... disagree? Look, Craig. He's not. He's not a sure. He is absolutely not a sure. Uh, and, and listen, I will say this: that I think Ryan Getzlaff is an incredible, incredible player, incredible career. I, I I cannot say that he is a surefire Hall of Famer. That's that's just for me. It's, um, you know, I, I, I again, there's so many guys that are not in the Hall of Fame yet. Like I remember D- Daniel Alfredson playing uh, against Daniel Alfredson. I, I re- Jeremy Ronick, who we have on once a week. Like I remember playing against Jeremy Ronick. He was he was not only super skilled, but irritation. He scored goals. He hit, he did everything. I mean, Ryan Getzloff is a great hockey player, mm-hmm. you know, 282 goals. He scored in, in 1150 games. Well, Jeremy Roenick had 500, mm-hmm. you know, like there, there's guys that are not in the hockey hall of fame that I th- feel that should be in before Ryan Getzloff is what I'm going to say. I mean, that's fair. Like, I don't, I, I don't have any issues with anything you're saying there. But never getting in, Riv? Like, I agree with you. There are it's players take that some deserve time for, to be it's in. It's going to take some time for him to get in. And, and he probably will, but he is absolutely 1,000% not a sh- surefire. I, I uh, think he's getting in. I think he's a surefire Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, I think he's a surefire Hall of Famer. I don't know how soon. I would like to see other players get in first, but I, I definitely... Just I out definitely of curiosity, like, who, who, like, which guys do you guys think that need to get in that aren't in? Uh, McGilney? Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I'm, uh, I'm with Theo Fleury? Yes, I'm with you on Fleury. Steve Larmer? It's, 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 really, it's really tough now with Fleury because, you know, it just... No, it's it's tough to see. Like I, I have a lot, I, I I have a lot of support and sympathy for for Flurry. I I really do. He's been through a lot as a person, and uh, and I, I think I, that's part of it too. Having that yeah, career with that kind yeah, of baggage. I mean, yeah, yeah, are are I, you kidding I, I, me? I agree. Like it's, you know, it's, we, it's, I just wa- I just watch him on social media right now, and I worry for him. Like I I do. Yeah. Um, I think. By the way, I, I want to say before we get off track. That Steve Larmer pick, good on you, because I completely agree with you about Steve Larmer. Yeah, I, I think he absolutely uh, deserves to be in. I think in. politics are why Steve Larmer is is not in, and I don't like that at all. And what, what politics are those? Very, very pro-player uh, association guy. Um, you know, I think that there were hard feelings in Chicago the way he left. And which was his choice. Like he had the, he was going to set the record for the Iron Man streak and he stopped it because he, you know, because of his principles. And um, I think Steve Larmer should be in the Hall of Fame. The other guy I would put there is Daniel Alfredson. I think he deserves to be there. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I still think there are other players. Like I would put Getzlaff in before before Alfredson. That's my own personal maybe beef with Alfredson, but that's just you look at how you look at was. you look at Getzlaff. He played eleven hundred and fifty seven games. Mm-hmm. He had two hundred and eighty two goals and one thousand nineteen points. Yeah, a lot of us is great passer. Like it was Rivs. Did you see that that assist? Incredible, the other incredible. That was that was a fitting way to end his career. Like people always said, his passing was incredibly underrated. That was a fitting way to end his career. Daniel Alfredson, twelve hundred and forty four games or forty six games. He had four hundred and forty four goals, eleven hundred and fifty seven points. A different type of player yeah but you know daniel alfredson was you know he was an incredible player from the time he came into the league Mm -hmm. to the time he came out of the league yes he was yeah well he won rookie of the year he won rookie of the year i think if if i'm not mistaken yes he did um and, you know, and again, and I have to ask the question, like McGillney with what he did and his I don't understand mind-boggling how in. he is not I, in. I am with you, too. And the other thing, I am with you, too. It's mind-boggling that McGillney isn't in. And the other thing about that situation, too, is, you know, we don't, like you guys remember, and I remember a little bit, too, for, for him to do what he did leaving Russia at that time, that was, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. Like people don't understand yeah. how dangerous and difficult that and hard to do that was. He had KGB time. knocking on the loose's door. Like there were people hunting him down, trying to find him um, all the time when he when he first came over here. I mean, it was yeah, like it was not safe what he did. No, like and I, to me, that's part of the story that. Absolutely. I think it's a big part of why he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, that's I, like like Boria Salming. Like he came over here and everybody wanted to kill him. And like that's part of the legend, right? And so when I look at McGilney, that's that's part of the legend too. Like I, I think that should he should he should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't I don't understand why he isn't. Yeah, and the, and then the other guy uh, Riv already mentioned JR, but I mean that sounds like it's coming from a biased spot. But if I didn't know Jeremy Roenick, I would have said I would have said that anyway. I would have said I, you know, I, I have wondered if his personality is a reason that he hasn't gotten in yet. Well, if you're, if you're saying Larmer's not in because of politics, JR's yeah. not in for sure because uh, because of how outspoken he was. How do you guys feel about Keith Kachuk and Doug Waite? Absolutely. As Hall of Famers? Yeah, like I get, especially U.S.-based fans. They always ask me about those two guys. Like K- Kachuk was a monster. Yeah. Monster goal scorer. And, and Doug, Doug Waite. And Doug Waite is one of the greatest born American players ever has had a hundred points in this league, won a Stanley cup, like played a long, long time. Absolutely. You should be in the hall of fame. For forgot even I, I'm, I, if you had told me they were in the hall of fame, I would have just said, I but missed again, the years that they were inducted. Discuss, I, if we're di- discussing Doug Wade, 278 goals, a thousand thirty three points. How the hell is Jeremy Roenick not in the the hockey hall of fame? I, I would. I have to think that's got like we're talking. We're concept. talking Sega 92, 94. You you weren't allowed to use Jeremy fucking Roenick on Chicago mm-hmm. because he was so dominant. The guy, the guy had Craig nicknamed him the glitch. 
He had a hundred points multiple times. He had four fifteen hundred penalty minutes. Like he played all different styles. He was, you know, his personality. You either loved him or you hated him, and that is great. That is great. The the you know the the you go back to looking up Jeremy Roenick online and he's you know whipping a water bottle across the ice and hits the ref in the foot and he's bleeding out of his mouth and you know bleeding like a stuck pig here like like he is a walking cliche that maybe back then people didn't like okay but I mean his game spoke for itself and we're sitting here. Yeah about all these other guys that are going in who shut their mouths and didn't say anything it, it's it's just not it's not right last thing uh well two two more things Ellie. give us two more two more sure, things number absolutely. one did that tampa bay 8-1 ass kicking over to the leafs worry you for leafs for the leafs uh i guess that's where i'll start with that well you know a couple of weeks earlier the Leafs had blown them yeah. out they beat yes them they did too so you know Look, I, I, the one thing I'm looking at Tampa right now is they're revving up. Like, not only did they do that, but they tuned Florida a couple nights later also. So, yeah, I was at that game. Oh, yeah? No, I yeah. can tell you got a nice little tan going there, uh, the, Craig. Oh, just, my oh, my God. God. You know, they, it's they, a little burn. They, they have this thing called SPF 50. <laughs> Holy shit, Rev. What bothers me more is how long your bathing suit is. <laughs> Actually, that doesn't bother me at all. Your um, bathing suit, with quads like you have, you should be wearing a, a speedo. I'm going seven inches right now. That's oh. that's the new. That's the young style. <laughs> yeah, this is this this is going into a place that I just don't really need for it to go in. I hope you're talking about. Your shorts are seven inches. Oh, yeah. hey, locker room, locker room thoughts. Um, yeah. the, don't think anyone who's listening to this podcast isn't going to go to the same place. Like, oh, well, Elliot, Elliot, I'm all hey, going. Yeah. If pause, if if this if this was on pause and he said that, you could only imagine the conversation where it goes. Right? Like, I, I have to, a buddy. I have a buddy. His line would be, "Oh, I have to wear shorts twice that size." Like, that's yeah. what <laughs> Only seven inches that you're working with over seven there. This tough break. Hey. <laughs> uh, uh, um, okay, so here's the thing about Tampa. It looks like it's going to lock be locked in Tampa, Toronto, right? So Toronto, as as we record this on Tuesday, by points percentage, they're 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 number four in the league. And how would you love that? You finish fourth in the league, and then the first round you get Tampa. And, you know, there's a couple things here. Number one, the MVP of the playoffs is Vasilevsky. There's no more important player in the league in the playoffs than he is. And he, you know, he's the best player. And so you get that in the first round. The second thing, too, is, like, I will say this. Other teams think that Tampa looks tired. That, you know, they've played – if you look at the last two games, the last time I checked, I think they played nine more games the last two years than anybody else. And it's been compressed in between all the COVID stuff. It's, it's been exhausting. And there are teams that have looked at Tampa this year and said, you know, they're vulnerable. They're more vulnerable than they've been. Although they just traded for Hagel and, and Paul, they lost that third line. However, um, you know, like they, they look like they're starting to ramp up. And the other thing, too, is, and this is a big deal, 
Steven Stamkos, where's he from? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. From Toronto. If he plays four out of seven in Toronto, he's gonna want he's gonna he's gonna be wired. And you know, one of the one of the I think they know that they love Stamkos. He's a very popular teammate. They know they have to show up for him if they play the Leafs. Like they they can't let him get embarrassed. We were just talking about him before he came on too, just about like I mean, he's had a phenomenal career, but just kind of flies under the radar. Like I feel 40 like, goals. I know. I know he's, he's, you know, and we were talking about when Melrose scratched him his rookie year. Do you remember all that saga? The Stamco saga? He's had the broken leg. Remember all that? Like he's, he's been through some shit and he is, he's had a career, man. Like, I mean, I think, I don't know who said it, Elliot. It might've been you, but he's had like your, your, the perfect first overall career. I mean, you think about. I don't two, think I said that. I don't think I said. No, that. but two cups, you know, leading the franchise in points, you know, goals out the ass. Like he's he's lived up to everything that a first overall pick, um, you know, needs to live up to. Uh, lastly, Guy Lafleur. Guy Lafleur passed away. Uh, uh, Riv, I know, I know you know him, Elliot. I'm sure you know him. Mm-hmm. I do not know him, but I'm wondering if you guys. Have any Gila Fleur stories that you can share? Go ahead, Riv. Like you would know him better than I did. <laughs> Guy himself uh, told me because we before the season when before training camp in 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 Montreal, we would uh, show up early and then we would be going on these baseball tours up north of of in, in Quebec and stuff like that and uh we would do these baseball tours and play you know the firefighters or the cops of of each uh city stuff like that so on the bus one time Guy was telling us a story about after one of the many cups that he won that he uh he was telling us a story that he was in his uh he was in his Porsche one night flying home from the bar like early hours of the bar okay and this is right after they won the cup so the celebration in montreal is you you get it's it's extreme right so Guy, who's had far far too much to drink jumps in his car and drives home well he gets pulled over by a police officer and and at the time, Guy said that his windows were all fogged up and the whole shooting match, like all the windows were all fogged up. It's something like the, 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 the heat wasn't working or something. So anyway, he said, uh, the cops pull me over. So <laughs> Guy ends up jumping into the passenger seat. And puts the seatbelt on. And the and the cops come up to the window and they're knocking on the window on, on the driver's side, and no one's mm-hmm. answering. And they're knocking on it again. And they can't see in because the windows are all fogged. And then finally, Guy rolls down the window on the other side. And they're like, and the cops are looking in, like, Guy, what are you doing? Where's the driver? He's like, oh, he's here a minute ago, but he's gone now. <laughs> oh my goodness. And he's sitting in the passenger seat with the seatbelt on. And they're like, Gee, 
come on, get in the back of the car. We'll drive your car home. So the one cop got into his Porsche mm-hmm. and drove it home. And the other cop uh, had Guy in the front seat there and they drove him home to his house and all safe and sound. You know, imagine that, like, then you could get away with that. Well, now, that was a long time ago, right? Yeah, that we're talking. Now, yeah, that's not, not happening now. That's not happening anymore. No. No way. So that's that's the only story that that uh, that he told. Did you ever have to, did you have to ever have to try that move, Rev? Um, again, I, I played in a different era, and that's not going to be happening. So what we use is uh, Ubers, and uh, they yes. drive us home. What uh, what about you, Elliot? Any Guy Lafleur stories? Well, I mean, obviously, I met him a few times, and you know, the one thing of the one thing about those 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 Canadians is that group of Canadians, like Jean Beliveau, Lafleur, Yvonne Cornway, they were like as a media person. Whenever I had to interview them, they were all so incredibly easy to deal with. Um, like Beliveau, I, I remember I interviewed him once during a game. And I, my hand was like shaking, but they were, they were so nice. Like, um, Dickie Moore, he used to do this, this thing, like, uh, because where he sat and where Belleville sat during games was near our interview area. So if we were interviewing a player, they would just wait for a second. And, and Dickie Moore would always be like, what? I had to wait for that guy. Like those guys were so hilarious. They were such yeah. a good guy, but Lafleur, like he was such a nice man, but, you know, Andrew, you know, like, you know, you're younger than me, but there was, before Gretzky came on the scene, he was the biggest rock star in the NHL. He was the biggest rock star in the league. And everybody my age would, whether you were playing road hockey or ice hockey, you would, um, you know, you would imagine you were Guy Lafleur. You would skate or run down the wing and you you pretend your hair was flying and you try to shoot the puck you know, like he did. I mean, he was such a great flamboyant player. Everybody loved Guy Lafleur, even if you hated the Canadians. Like I was not a Canadians fan, but I loved Guy Lafleur. I just, I loved him. I, you know, I reread his uh, biography this weekend and it's so good. Like it's like, there's a story I'm going to, I told, I told at the beginning of Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday, and I'm going to write a bit more about it in the blog this week. But, you know, Guy Lafleur, man, he was a rock star. And the, like, the or, like, quote unquote, average people, like, I, I hate using that phrase, but just like regular people, he treated them so well. Like, that's, that's big. You read the whole book over the weekend? Yeah. <laughs> How many pages? Uh, it's in my, uh, where's my bag here? I think it's in my bag. Give me a rough estimate. 300? Uh, I think it's more than that. So this is the book. Okay, Overtime. turn it. Let me see, let's see how thick it is. God, that's oh a year God. for me, Elliot. It's uh I'll tell you how many pages it is. It's 455. In a weekend. Yeah. Well, yeah, because was it well it was it was before the weekend because it like it was like started on Thursday because there were rumors starting to get out that you know unfortunately we were you know getting close to the end. So I started reading it then. Good. Hey, Riff, I'm going to pull an Ace Ventura here. I think we're a little out of our league. 
You guys could play in the NHL. I could read fast. That's, oh, that's, my that's, that's God. oh, my God. Good for you. Good for you. Well, last thing I'll say, Elliot, Sabres draft pick on the line tonight with his Vegas game. So. Oh, yeah, right. right, right yes. Right. Yeah. Be in the lottery. So, you know, Kevin Adams is going to be ponying up watching oh, that he's, one. Oh, he's got his Vegas voodoo doll. He's poking it as oh, we speak. He like does. He's, he's, poke, he's, poke, poke, poke. Oh, yeah, he does. Oh, he does. It's but dry. remember, there's new rules this year, right? You can only go up 10 spots. Yeah, but, I mean, oh, there's, nice. his, there's okay. his top 10 protected anyway. Yeah, yeah but still, like, it's a, it would be a good pick. Like, it's never bad to have the pick. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Elliot, thanks so much for the time, man. We appreciate it as always. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks, next buddy. week, playoffs. Next yeah, week oh that's Absolutely. right. Next week playoffs. Yeah. Look forward to a little preview. All right, guys. Have all a right. great uh have a great day and all and uh missed you last week. Great to see you guys again. Yeah, thanks, Elliot. Good we'll see you. All right, take care. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the whistle and at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.